0: Hey guys, it's Alicia. Um, I'm coming on today because God put it on my heart to share part of my testimony, um, and that would be the depression part of my testimony, um, because we're in coronavirus right now. I think we're in week five, maybe? I'm honestly not sure. I've kind of lost track of time, but I just am getting this sense that um, that we're, the world, at least the part that I'm connected to, is feeling a little depressed because of the isolation and not being around people and just lots of lots of things. Um, So this is a part of my journey and I do have authority in this area so I just felt like God really put some stuff on my heart. To just kind of bring some some spiritual light to this and give you tools and weapons of warfare to pray and we're going to just look at some examples in the Bible of depression, mind thoughts, wrong thinking warped thinking i should say um and i hope this will be good for us so um all right so let's get started indigenous to the kingdom of god followers of jesus living life led by holy spirit desiring to be an altar where his fire falls we We are are alternative Grew up in church. I grew up a very strong believer. I, I actually look back and very much admire the faith that I had as a child. Um, But when I was young, I was led into sexual sin. Um, A boy that I was dating uh, sinned against me, and I couldn't stop him. Um, And so, the first point that I want to bring up with this is, um, you know, a lot of I'm going to say women because that's my experience talking to women. I'm sure it's happened to men too. Um, But get in situations um, that they haven't tried to put themselves in. Maybe they don't know any better or they really trust the person that they're with. They, They just don't even think that that would be an option of something that would happen. And I fully believe there's a spiritual principality that comes over that shuts your voice up. And it prevents you from saying anything stopping anything it's demonic and its job is to shut you up and we have a lot of that happening right now I believe because of just circumstances in the world Satan's trying to shut us up (laughs) I'm over it I'm over that Um, so a lot of people don't understand this but if you've ever had a bad dream where you can't speak um, that's what happens in real life and it is very very scary so because of that you know, and you think you're trying. You think, I can I can say something. I can stop this. But you can't. And then because you're allowing, you feel that you're allowing something to happen to you, you become clothed in guilt and shame, um, which I was. And I did not feel like I could talk to anyone anybody about it specifically christians because i just thought i was going to be condemned i was going to be judged they were going to say well why did you let that happen to you and i just want to point out you know we know john 316 really well but john 317 is actually one of my favorite verses in scripture so i'm going to read john 316 into 317 for god so loved the world he gave his only begotten son so that every anyone who would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life that's the one we all know the second part of that, John three seventeen says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. And I just want to just say for us Christians out there, um, when somebody is living any kind of sinful lifestyle, what they do not need is you coming up to them and telling them how wrong they are. Um, I'm going to say nine times out of ten, they already know. <laughs> There's a part of them that very much knows. Um, but they are absolutely terrified of condemnation or of judgment. Nobody wants judgment. They want love and that is what Christ came. He came as love to love and show us real love. So that's where I sat. I felt completely um, self-condemned and guilt and shame for something that I didn't ask for. Um, But because I couldn't talk to anybody and because I wanted to be desired and I really, really liked this boy, I started choosing to participate. So It his sin became my sin. I I walked into it. So I do just want to say for those of you out there who maybe something happened to you, and it doesn't have to be sexual. It can be anything. It could be that you thought you were going to a fun party, but it turns out there was drugs in the cookies and you didn't know. I don't know. That's not a life that I led, but it could be anything that happened to you that was somebody else's sin put on you. Once you make the choice to participate, now you got to own it. So I'm just putting it out there that I'm owning that now. Um, and we have this innate discernment within us, I believe, which the Holy is the Holy Spirit, right? And especially since I grew up in the church, I had that burning um, Holy Spirit thing in me saying, this is wrong, but I didn't know how to get out of it. Um, I wasn't necessarily that educated in this particular area. And, um, so I just start quieting. I start pushing down, um, those gut feelings of the Holy Spirit and we do that. We do that for ourselves to justify or to validate our actions. This is truly how the world copes with things. The world really copes by shoving down the voice of the Holy Spirit to justify their actions so that they don't feel condemned. Um, they do what will serve our needs now as opposed to long-term needs, um, it's selfish, but they don't see it as selfish, and I can say that from experience. That your mind frame gets warped. You don't, you don't think what you are doing is wrong because you don't want to think that it's wrong. You want to justify your actions so you don't feel bad. You know everything comes down to that. Um, so I confided in non Christians because there wasn't any judgment from them, and there there was justification from them. There was okay, so it felt good. So you did it. Move on. You know it was a whatever thing and it was, it was just common. Um, So it became uh, justified for me. So this is really what led me down a very, very dark path because I had this tremendous turmoil in my spiritual being of this right from wrong and the justification versus this thing in me that knew I still wasn't walking a righteous path because I still loved the Lord. I just couldn't find any scriptures on really what I was experiencing. You know, um, if somebody hasn't explained to you the, the sexual nature of the scriptures, which God created and is beautiful, you know, in the context of a male and female marriage, um, then you don't know how to get some of your questions answered, and if you're not going to an adult, a Christian adult about it, um, mentor, I should say about it, then it's you can't find those answers if you're not looking in the right places. I had suicidal thoughts, and um, and I finally said out loud to my boyfriend one night, "I've I've thought a couple times today about just driving my car off the road." Um, and fortunately he contacted my parents and my parents intervened and I was able to get more help. I had been in therapy, you know, since middle school, but at this point, um, in high school, I was able to move towards a psychiatrist and get medicated for my depression, which, um, people, it's also biblical. Yes, we believe in supernatural healing and that is awesome, but it is also biblical that God gives humans wisdom, um, for medical help. (laughs) So it's okay to seek medical advice for this and medicine is what I needed at this point in my life. So what I've since learned about these suicidal thoughts is that it's just lies and deception from the enemy. If he, if Satan can make you believe that God didn't create you with a purpose then it is easier for a person to, um, to entertain the thoughts of ending their life than trying to problem solve because they don't have the mental, uh, capacity or capability anymore to problem solve so it's this idea of like so I'll just use an example uh let's say uh Mary really really needs help and her husband Joe um wants her to get help because she's suicidal so let's say Mary and Joe that's ironic Mary and Joseph I didn't mean to do that hilarious and then Jesus comes in and helps so funny okay but let's just say it's Mary and Joe great Um, so Mary really needs help. She wants, she has expressed now that she wants to get help for suicide and Joe's like, great call, um, call this therapist that I found. Mary won't call the therapist. Why? Not because she doesn't want help because it's, it's effort. It's effort and not because she doesn't want to take it because her mind doesn't think clearly anymore. So the problem in Joe's mind is solved you know, I'll give her the number. She'll call. She'll make an appointment. Everything will be better. But no, Joe needs to call, make the appointment, drive her to the appointment, get her in the office, sit with her until she's cared for. Until, you know, Mary or the therapist says, okay, it's time. She needs, you know, she needs to have this alone or maybe with Joe. Like, I I love being with my husband in therapy because he can help me think straight. But my point is, um, depressed people cannot think clearly their mind has been warped they fed into lies they fed into deception um they fed into discouragement and despair and not because they wanted to because it's easier to hear that stuff than to work really hard um to not (laughs) and if you've ever been there Or if you know somebody, I hope this is kind of clicking for you a little bit. So for those of you who are not depressed but you know depressed people, they actually need your help in problem solving because their minds cannot think clearly. And we know that the word says that our minds are a new creation in Christ. But that doesn't mean that we don't need help to get our minds um, fully processed into that new creation. You know, we work from victory not for victory as Christians. We work from victory, which is such a beautiful thing. My mom just texted me that a couple days ago, and we say that all the time in our household, but um, it doesn't mean that you're not still going to have trials and struggles to get to the, you know, intended purpose that God created for your mind to live in. So we need help, and we need people around us to help us with that. Um, so the the beautiful part of this story is although um, – I had an atheist psychiatrist who was not feeding me the best of things. Um, I was medicated and that got me through until I met my best friend in college, Ariana, and she invited me to a couple church services and I didn't know that this little group of churches, um, there was two that she was going to at the time, were in a mini revival. I don't even think she knew it at the time, but they were, and looking back, we realized that. Um, but I gave my life back to Christ at that place. I was, I was dancing. It was like totally chill for me to dance and I'm a dancer. So I was dancing and worshiping the Lord and I gave my life back to Christ. And um, this third church that we were going to, um, I got baptized again in. And I'm sure people have a million things to say about the fact that I got baptized again. But it's what I needed for the people in that community to hold me accountable for my choices. And I started going to a holistic doctor who found out I was intolerant to corn and my body was whacked out because I was feeding it all this unhealthy stuff for myself. And um, I went to a healing service and between the healing service and um, my my renewed faith and this community around me and... Um, you know learning what my body needed to make it healthy again i dumped my medicine down the toilet and um it took me like a week to not be like whacked out a little bit but that's if anybody's come off depression medication cold turkey that is a miracle in itself it only took about 4 or 5 days and i was this i was back to my bright you know joyful self but that didn't mean i didn't have have a lot of like mind um issues that I had to work through. But there was definitely this huge deliverance that now I was able to think clearly again. I could problem solve for myself again. And worship played a huge part in that. So to be, you know, fully honest, you know, I was, you know, delivered for these 10 years. I work constantly on these things. They're constant awarenesses that I have for myself of, my mind process the way that I think, the way that I talk to other people and treat other people, um, and the quarantine brought up a lot of these triggers that I've had again. Um, so I'm gonna tell you some of the the symptoms that I um, have as a depressed person that I'm aware of. You know, and ten years into my journey being free from depression, I still have to be aware of these things. Um, so. I'm really good at looking busy but not being productive, and that came out really strong a couple weeks ago. I don't want to sleep at night, so I'll get extra busy at nighttime so that I don't have to fall asleep, um, because if I fall asleep, that means I have to wake up and do a whole other day. And sometimes it's easier just to stay awake and be busy than face the fact that I'm going to have to restart a whole other day. Um, then once I'm asleep, I don't want to wake up, so waking up becomes really hard and it's easier just to stay in bed than have to get up and care for myself, let alone you know another human. And I have to be honest. I'm so thankful I have two other humans in my household to take care of because if I were by myself, I don't know that I would get out of bed. I will flip a switch really quick and cry for no reason or get angry for no reason or be really impatient with my husband and my kid for no reason. And when I started becoming aware of these things during quarantine, I had to sit my husband down and have a really real conversation with him because he's never seen me like that. Um, I met him after my Deliverance of being depressed. And so he knows me as a very joyful person, very quick to problem solve person, very clear mind because I've worked so hard on my awarenesses um, as both a Christian and an actor. Um, my training has helped a lot with that of, you know, psychological awareness. And so I was able to sit down with him and just say, this is what's going on with me and we need to keep a lookout on it. Um, I think it's some of the foods that I've been eating, but we need to be careful that this could be a very real thing that we might need to work through. Um, And so I was able to express to him the things that I needed him to also be aware of. I was aware myself, but I needed him to know, you know, if I snap out, I need you to not snap back at me. I actually need you to go like, hey, that's not like you. What's going on? And that will help me be aware, oh my gosh, I totally am giving in to a de- like an instant satisfaction thing that my depressive self would have done, but that depressive self is dead. I'm made new in Christ. And that, that is the difference between coping in the world, Satan's deception of what will relieve you right now, it's always self-serving, and the difference between coping with God, which is what will sustain me and heal me. So my quick fix is just snap out, be angry, um, be impatient with my husband and my son. That hurts them, that hurts their heart, their feelings. My son gets really sad. He doesn't understand what's going wrong with his mommy, um, versus when I snap out, I either I recognize it or my husband can recognize it, and then he can say, "Oh, that's not you." And then I can go, "Oh my gosh," count to ten, give me a quick timeout in the bedroom for a couple of minutes so I can process what I'm thinking and feeling, and then. I say a lot of scriptures. I read my Bible really fast. I always grab onto something really quick. The joy of the Lord is my strength so that I can go back out and sustain and have a healthier atmosphere for myself and for my family mindset, everything. Um, So that's the difference, right? And I also just really want to throw out here really quick before we just jump into scripture um depressed people cannot see their selfishness so for those of you who are not depressed but you can see it in other people you know it's really easy especially when it comes down to suicide for us to say to them like you're being so selfish in that for some people they'll hear that and they'll be like oh my gosh you're right um other people will not I would not have heard that if my parents had said that to me in that moment their despair is their reality the deceit that satan has planted in their minds is reality Um, And although it's not reality to those of us looking in, um, it certainly is to the person sitting on the inside. Um, Their thinking is foggy, it's cloudy, which is another demonic principality. Claire and I will do a little mini series on all of these principalities I'm talking about. I'm not going to throw them out right now, but it is not from God. It is a cloudiness that fogs the brain so that you cannot think clearly intentionally so that Satan can weave his lies into their Thought process and it truly takes deliverance, and we need deliverance over depression right now in the name of Jesus. So, I just want to line up for you um, what the Lord has kind of put on my heart in scripture. Um, We actually just came through um, Easter and Passover time, but this comes from uh, the Israelites' exodus. And so, I just want to give you a really quick rundown of Exodus so I can get to the Israelites' mind frame because this is mind boggling to me. But this is, in my opinion, um, where the depressive mind sits for us as humans, and I think the Israelites, um, unfortunately, but maybe for our benefit now so we can learn from them, um, really sat in despair. So the Israelites at this point are slaves in Egypt, and um, I'm going to pick up in Exodus 4. This is when the Lord um, calls Moses and Moses thinks he's not good enough. So he wants Aaron to come with him. So God's like, all right, fine. Moses and Aaron, you're going to be my spokespeople for Pharaoh. Okay. And so Moses and Aaron go to tell Israelites leaders, um, what's up? We're going to go get free. We're going to go tell Pharaoh. We're going to get the heck out of here. God's going to perform miraculous signs and wonders. It's going to be amazing. And in Exodus 4, 29, Um, the leaders, listen, they're convinced. It says the leaders were soon convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. And when they realized that the Lord had seen their misery and was deeply concerned for them, they all bowed their heads and worshiped. So the Israelites are like, we're in. We hate being slaves. This is terrible. God promised our ancestors generations ago that we were going to be led into the promised land. And here we are freaking slaves. So yes, the Lord sees us. Let's go. All right. So, Immediately, um, Aaron and Moses go and they tell Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, ha, you're hilarious. Let's go make the work more brutal for the uh, Israelites. And it um, it puts the Israelites in a worse frame of body, mind, and soul. So, spirit, sorry. Uh, What Pharaoh does is he stops providing straw for the Israelites. And so now they have to continue meeting their daily quota of bricks, but they also have to go get their own straw. They're getting beaten more. They're getting whipped more. They're not able to make their quotas. They have worse punishments. They are worse off than they were before. And what I want to say is I see in this that the enemy uses the body as a gateway to mental despair. And in my circumstance, that was certainly true. He used a physical thing that happened to me to send my mind into a horrible place. I see that with alcoholism, with drugs, with lies and deceit, there's something physical of the flesh that happens to us, whether we choose it or it happens to us, that sends our minds into a really, really um, despairing place. We start believing lies and deception because it seems easier. Um, So... That's Exodus 5. Then we go on to Exodus 6, and God reminds the Israelites of the promise he kept to them. So let me read this. read um, this, starting right at the beginning of chapter 6. The Lord told Moses, Now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. When he feels my powerful hand upon him, he will let my people go. In fact, he will be so anxious to get rid of them that he will force them to leave his land. Promise. And God continued, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty though I did not reveal my name, the Lord, to them. And I entered into a solemn covenant with them. Under its terms, I swore to give them the land of Canaan where they were living. You can be sure that I have heard the groans of the people of Israel who are now slaves to the Egyptians. I have remembered my covenant with them. So he's reminding them of his promises. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will free you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with mighty power and great acts of judgment. I will make you my own special people, and I will be your God. And you will know that I am the Lord your God who has rescued you from your slavery in Egypt. I will bring you into the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will be your very own property. I am the Lord. So Moses told the people what the Lord had said, but they wouldn't listen anymore they had become too discouraged by the increasing burden of their slavery. So God's reminding them, reminding them, reminding them of his promises and he is going to deliver them, but they're done. Their minds have fed, have fallen into this discouragement because of the physical and therefore mental and therefore spiritual toll that their slavery has taken upon them. And I just want to say, say, that depression is slavery of the mind. It takes your mind captive and not in a good way. The Bible says, take all of our thoughts captive. Um, that's for him. That's to protect and guard ourselves from the enemy for situations like this. They, they hadn't been protecting their minds. And, you know, personally, as I'm reading this, I'm like, how could they? They were being beaten and whipped and they're watching their children get beaten and whipped. I mean, this is a hard, hard situation that they're in. And so some of you are experiencing that and you're like, this, this is me. I feel beaten and whipped. Um, you are not alone. God has shown us this. Um, and so I I, I just want to, it's hard to hear good things and have hope even from God when you're in such devastation like that. So um, it's not an excuse to not listen. It's really a challenge for your faith. God's allowing this testing to show off his own power um but also to amplify their faith. All right, so then we're in Exodus 7. God does more miracles and signs and wonders to prove his his glory and his loyalty to the Israelites. Um he actually says in verse 3, "I will cause Pharaoh to be stubborn so I can multiply my miraculous signs and wonders." So he actually wants to show himself off more and therefore allows the Israelites to stay slaves. Um I often wonder if God allowed my depression lasted about four years, maybe three and a half, four years total until my mind had really been renewed and I was like fully delivered. I didn't have like a one night, I'm delivered. It was like a process um, for me that lasted about a half a year. So that's why I say about four years of my depression. Um, I, I often wonder if he allowed that just to grow my faith because now I can look back and see just how much he built me through, but it sucked. And I understand that some of this stuff really, really sucks for you guys. And, um, and so we, we just, we really need to be praying for endurance, patient endurance to get through this because God really wants to show himself off. Um, he really does. And I know that's not always easy to see. Okay. So then we come to, um, the plagues. So now God is like, I'm going to put some plagues on the Egyptians to show off my glory. I'm going to keep my people safe, okay? So now Egyptians are going to get all these plagues. The Israelites are going to stay safe. They're in this little bubble, okay? So he sends a plague of blood where he turns the water to blood. Now they can't drink it. A plague of frogs. A plague of gnats. A plague of flies. A plague of uh, against their livestock. And all of the Egypt or all the Israelites' livestock, totally fine. A plague of boils, a plague of hail, which literally kills anybody or anything that is outside, uh, except all those Israelites. They're fine. A plague of locusts, a plague of darkness, and then the death of the firstborn son. And this is where we come to Passover. I'm gonna skip Passover and get to the Exodus because hopefully. In the last season that we just went through with Passover and Easter, you are up to speed on what happened there. (laughs) I also just want to point out, there's this scripture um, verse in chapter 10, during the plague of uh, of Locus, where Pharaoh says to Moses, the Lord will certainly need to be with you if you try to take your little ones along. I can see through your wicked intentions. Only the men may go serve the Lord, for that's what you requested. He's trying to split up families. Total side note, but the Lord, I believe... (laughs) in many ways, is allowing this time to bring families together. In a lot of ways, Satan is trying to use it to tear families apart. He does not want family units to remain whole. Um, God creates generations. Um, like I've said before, the first thing is father-child. He creates children. God's plan is always for a whole family, never a broken one. And, and then Pharaoh also says, I see through your wicked intentions. He is literally taking the word of the Lord and calling it wicked. And this is what Satan does. He's trying to turn you against God. He's trying to warp your mind to a place where you can no longer discern good from evil. It's just so, it gets me. So he's got the Israelites in this little bubble of his provision and his protection in the middle of the Egyptian land or whatever. And he gives his people natural strategy plus faith for a supernatural result. This is so cool to me. So let me just read a little bit of this to you because this is just amazing. Chapter 12, verse 34 through 36. The Israelites took with them their bread bread dough made without yeast. They wrapped their kneading bowls in their spare clothing and carried it on their shoulders, (laughs) backpacks, And the people of Israel did as Moses had instructed and asked the Egyptians for clothing and articles of silver and gold. The Lord caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the Israelites and they gave the Israelites whatever they asked for. So like a victorious army, they plundered the Egyptians. They haven't even left yet, y'all. Okay? So they're just preparing to leave. Okay? So here's their natural God says, do this and then get the heck out. He blesses them on the way. And then that night... Over, like 600,000 men plus all the women and children. So I think it would be safe to say over a million people are getting the heck out of Egypt. This is crazy. Okay. But I just want you to keep in mind the Israelites are listening. Okay. They're listening. Yes, they got a lot of blessing when they listened. I think that's really cool too. But let's just remember they are making the choice to leave. Okay. Over a million people choosing to leave. Okay. They are making the choice. They're in it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now we're going to move on to Exodus 13, 17 through 18. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, God did not lead them on the road that runs through the Philistine territory, even though that was the shortest way from Egypt to the promised land. God said, if the people are faced with a battle, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them along the route through the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the Israelites left Egypt like a marching army. This is just so fascinating to me. It would have been quicker for God to take them through the Philistine army, but he knew that there was a possibility that they could have met a war. They could have been faced with a battle. And he knew they weren't strong enough. They are not mentally, they're not a mentally strong enough people to do that. They're not equipped. And so he takes them a longer way. And I think a lot of times we get stuck in situations where we are like, this is taking forever to get out of. Like, I'm sure when I was in my four-year depression, my parents are like, what is taking so long, Lord? We are praying. We are fasting. We're doing everything. Save our daughter. But he took a longer route. And we don't know why, but this gives me some kind of hope that there must have been something else for whatever weird reason that I was not ready to face, you know? I think about, you know, my first two years in college when I'm, like, starting to figure out the Lord again. And there are definitely some moments that he took me the long way around, but it kept me from so much darkness. You know, and then this is so cool. Verse 21, the Lord guided them by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire that night. That way they could travel whether it was day or night. And the Lord did not re- remove that pillar of cloud or pillar of fire from their sight. So he's, like, legit. There is a supernatural fire or cloud leading them all day, all night. These people are seeing, guys, this is amazing, okay? The problem is it doesn't, it didn't matter how much miracles they saw, their mind frame is still stuck, okay? So the Lord warns them in chapter 14 um, that he's going to once again harden Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh will chase after you. So God tells them straight up, Pharaoh's going to come after you, okay? But he says, I've planned this, so I will receive great glory at the expense of Pharaoh and his armies. So the Israelites camp there as they were told. So God tells them he's going to come after you, but it's okay because I'm going to get the glory. Now, he's not telling them how he's going to get the glory, but he is He is warning them that they're about to get chased by Pharaoh. And they know how brutal Pharaoh is. Pharaoh's been beating them for decades, generations, okay? So now we get to um, Exodus 1410. Okay. And now, um, Pharaoh's army is approaching and I did a little research on this and from verse, uh, four where the, uh, Israelites set camp to the Egyptians pursuing Israel and showing up was about eight days. Okay. So they've been, they've been camped there for about eight days. Okay. Now verse 10. As Pharaoh and his army approached, the people of Israel could see them in the distance marching towards them. The people began to panic and they cried out to the Lord for help. Okay, it's only been eight days, y'all. They knew Pharaoh was coming and now they are freaking out like God never told them this was going to happen. They've forgotten already. Now you understand why God's like, remember, remember, I'm reminding you, I'm reminding you because they are so quick to turn their backs. They're so quick to go like, oh my gosh, we're going to die. That's all they can see. So then they turned against Moses and complained. Why'd you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? Why did you make us leave? Didn't we tell you to leave us alone while we were still in Egypt? Our Egyptian slavery was far better than dying out here in the wilderness. And holy moly, this little scripture of their complaints could not sound more depressive to me than anything in the whole world. I bet my parents have 4,000 quotes of me saying something exactly like this to them. Why did you bring me here to die? This is the first thing. A depressive person cannot see their own choices. They only see others, okay? So their first thing is they're gonna blame somebody else. It's blame shifting. Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? So now they're going, we're gonna die out here. We might as well just stayed back there and not take in this journey to die, right? Why did you make us leave? So now it's Moses' fault. Even though they made the choices, why I said it earlier, notice they chose. Oh my gosh. And then they say, didn't we tell you to leave us alone while we were still in Egypt? People, go back through. I have read through this Exodus story two times in the last three days, and I don't ever see once them telling Moses to leave them alone. They have been on board. When they see God's miracles and signs and wonders, they are like, yes, that's our God. They worship him. They're so excited. But the second one little thing doesn't go their way, they turn their backs and they're like, it's your fault he doesn't love us, you don't love us, we would have been better off to die. This was my mindset, you guys, and I know this is other people's mindsets out there too. It feels easier to give up than to have faith and push through. That is why. That is why God says, it's just a mustard seed faith that I need from you because even the littlest bit of faith will move a mountain. These guys struggle so much to to see that. Um, and then they they have in what I believe is suicidal thinking our Egyptian slavery was far better than dying out here in the wilderness they would have rather allowed themselves and you guys their kids to be beaten and whipped every day than what they think now is to die out here in the desert go go back let them beat us to death instead of being out here and having faith to receive the promise that God has made for us. We have a promised land. We have a place where we'll be flowing with milk and honey and our children will not suffer. And yet they want to actually take their family back to the place of suffering because it seems easier. They're just scared. Satan is letting fear grip their minds right now. And now, oh my gosh, I love this so much. This is what I'm waiting to get to. Exodus fourteen thirteen through 14. But Moses told the people, don't be afraid. Just stand where you are and watch the Lord rescue you. The Egyptians that you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. You won't have to lift a finger in your defense. And I love this so much because he says, just stand where you are and watch. Just stand. And you guys, that's all we can do right now in this quarantine. We can't do anything. We can't fight. We can't get out there with people. All we get to do right now is be quiet and be still and, and watch as the Lord works. We have all the authority given to us by the power of Christ that lives within us, the Holy Spirit, and all we can do right now is pray and seek and watch. So this is my uh, commission to you guys right now is just stand where you are and watch the Lord rescue you. Um, I was going to go through the rest of some of this because there's so much more, but I see the time that I'm at right now and I got to get us out of here. So let me just, I want to say this prayer. I think this is really important. This is um, the journal entry that I wrote that um, led me to sharing this testimony and these scriptures with you today all right let's do this my depression testimony is not just for depressed people for but for those who are not so that they can learn how to pray for those who are and for all of us to unite in cutting off the plans of the enemy against death especially speaking to suicide right now and the lies the enemy has planted inside the minds that whisper that life is not worth living it is a lie from the pit of hell God's plan is always for life and life abundant. So in our authority given to us in Jesus Christ, we curse Satan. We curse the plans of the enemy. We push back depression. We throw it into the grave where it belongs. And we redeem God's truth. We redeem all life. For by him, all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him. All things are held together, Colossians one, sixteen through seventeen. So we take back lives in the name of Jesus, and we declare victory over their minds in Jesus Christ. Father, please release your holy angels on assignment right now to wage war against the demonic, tormenting spirits of depression, anxiety, lies, deceptions, and the twisting of the truth. We rebuke these evil spirits and declare God's majestic peace to reign over their minds and our minds, for our minds are made new, transformed by your renewing power in Jesus' name. Wash us in your blood and draw us back to you again in Jesus. Jesus' name. By Christ's authority within me, I declare transformation and healing of the mind, body, and soul as we learn to love you, Lord Jesus, in body, mind, and soul. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Lord, so much for loving us and for healing us and for being our shield and our wings of safety that we can hide in. I love you, Lord, so much. And I bless our listeners today to step into more authority, to step into clarity of mind. We crush the cloudiness, we crush the fogginess in Jesus' name. And we just say, peace be to you from our Lord Jesus Christ. Love you guys. Have a great day. Find your sustenance and your joy in Christ Jesus today. Hey, Alternative Nation. If you like what you're hearing and want to see our content reach more people across the world, please give us five stars and leave a comment. You can also support by sharing the podcast with your family and friends and find us on social media at Alternative2020. And pray for us. If you'd like to bring our campfire conversations to your church, event, community, or anywhere else, send us an email at Alternative2020 at gmail.com. And we want to hear from you. Yes, and share the good news of what Christ is doing in your life and others and how he's impacting the world around you. Thanks for joining us today on Alternative.